This lecture is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Deacon Danny Cahoot. But we're going to get back into what we, what we started here a while back. I'll cover a few little things that, to give us a little review. See, a lot of people disagree with me on a lot of things. Even my wife. But I've decided to take this book, and this is what I agree with, exactly like it's written, exactly like it says. No variance. And a lot of people have opinions about interpretation of it. I don't try to interpret nothing. If it says it, that's what I do. And I took Ecclesiastes. I'm not doing this to boast. Every single word from beginning to the every word. And studied it precisely. And so that's, that's why I decided to cover it because that's what's in my life right now is to find out. And I'll show you why. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter 3 first to start off with. And this is pretty much why. Because all that you see, all that you touch, all that you feel, all that you fight, all that you beg, you borrow, you steal, you yet every single thing that's under this sun right here is going to be gone. Nothing really matters apart from God. And that's what Solomon is trying to teach us. I'm going to cover that here in just a minute. All is vanity. Everything outside of redemption means absolutely nothing. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, Um, verse 3 and Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of David his father and only sacrificed and burnt incense in high places this was before he built the temple David wanted to build the temple but God did not allow him but he let David draw the plans in verse 5 and Gibeon the Lord appeared unto Solomon in a dream. Now, God himself appeared to Solomon twice. Now, God's never appeared to me. He's spoken to me through his word. But if God appeared to this man and spoke to him specifically, that grabbed my attention in my study. Because I'm going to flip over just a second. Verse 32 of chapter 4, it says, And he spake a thousand proverbs. This is, Psalm, this is Solomon. And his songs were a thousand and five. Verse 34, And there came people from, came all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon, all the kings of the earth which heard his wisdom. There wasn't a king on the earth that didn't seek out Solomon just to hear him talk. Because they knew that God had spoke to him and put this in his heart, put wisdom in his heart. Now, so I decided to go to school from the wisest man that ever walked on this earth. And here's a whole lot to do with it right here. Back to chapter 3, verse 6. And Solomon said, Thou hast showed thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according walked before the according as he walked before thee in truth 
and in righteousness and uprightness of heart with thee. Thou hast kept him for great kindness, and thou hast given him a son to sit on the throne in his stead. Even though David sinned and David fell, like every single one of us, his heart never went towards another God, another service, another... He kept his heart pure before God. Even, yeah, he sinned, but he said, oh, God, forgive me. He constantly, his entire life, worshipped God and knew God and, and, and trusted God and, and followed God all the way through. And so that's why God looked at his heart and not his flesh being met. We all sin. Let's get down to verse 9. Give therefore thy servant understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. So if God has put in his heart to discern from good and bad, I want a little bit of that. I don't want opinions. I want what God says about it. If God says it's good, it's good. If God says it's bad, it's bad. And there's, that's easy interpretation. For who is able to judge that so great a people? And speech pleased the Lord. And Solomon asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for long life, neither asked for riches, nor have asked for the life of thine enemies, but hast asked thyself understanding and discernment. Behold, I have done according to thy words, and have given thee wise understanding heart, that there be none like thee, none like thee, before thee, neither shall there arise any like unto thee. So never in the history of this world, past, present, or future, will ever be another man wiser than Solomon. They may match him, but they won't be as him. But here's where, I, here's where it would, would, would depress me more than anything. As we'll jump to and I'll show you why. Because in verse 14, if, there's that verse, that one word we talked about when we were talking about forgiveness. If we confess, if we keep straight, if we, if is huge in the word. If thou wilt walk in my ways and keep my statutes and commandments as thy father David did. And I said, David sinned, but his heart never changed. We're going to sin, but don't let it take your heart away from, from our Savior from God, from what he's got for. We're going to fall every day. But our heart is what God's interested in. He knows we're going to sin. He said there's no person in this earth that's ever not going to sin. Everything we do good is filthy according to the holiness of God. As thy father did, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke from the dream. Now, Let's switch over real quick. And then I'll get into the lesson. Let's go to chapter 11. Now here's Solomon. God has appeared to him twice now. I'm not going to cover the second time. I, well, if you want to look at it, it's uh, 1 King chapter 11. Yeah, verse, verse 9, it is there. Not 9, not 11. That's a different one, I'm sorry. Oh, God answers to Solomon. Okay. Here in verse 11, listen to this man that God had given everything. 
total wealth, total everything. A father whose heart never turned from God. Now this is this is crazy to me because this this shows you how sometimes that will never happen to me. I would never do that. The pastor spoke on this. Be careful in your own heart because anything is possible on this earth as long as we're fighting Satan. But King Solomon loved many strange women together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Admonites, Edomites, Zedonites, and Hittites, and of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, Ye shall not go in them, neither shall they come unto you, for surely they will turn your way, your heart, after their gods. And Solomon claved to them in love. He had 700 wives. Huh. I guess when this one starts up with chin music, he goes to this one. When this one starts bickering about that, I see I'm going to my wife. Well, I'm your wife. Well, so are these all that 699 wives. 300 concubines. So that's seven, eight, nine. That's a thousand different women right there. How is that possible? And his wives turned his heart away. This is going to be, this is what baffled me. How? God appeared to him and told him, if you do this, this is going to happen to you. How did, how did somebody so great fall so hard? For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. Isn't that, that's mind-blowing to me. I would, I would, sometimes I wonder why God even put that in the scripture for us to entertain in our mind. How, this man that did, at one time loved God, God spoke to him. His father was King David. Jesus is going to sit on the throne of King David. His heart was not perfect with the Lord God as, as was the heart of his father David. David never veered. David, David, David sinned, yeah. He, he, he murdered. He committed adultery. But, but his heart never left the, the heavenly father. It always, he always, Lord, wash me as white as snow. Cleanse me. I, it's my fault. It's not his. It's not hers. It's not his. It's not, it's mine. I did this. Just forgive me, Lord. I'm sorry. His heart was always turned toward our Heavenly Father. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zelonianites, and after Michael, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Now I'm going to stop right there because you can study that later and find out how God took the kingdom away from him, his son, and and anyway, God challenged him from, but God didn't say, you're going to hell. That's important. Although Solomon did evil, God's mercy didn't say, all right, Solomon, you're going to hell. God just shortened his life and took the kingdom away and did chastise him. So we'll go back to, to Ecclesiastes. And this is one of the, uh, I just wanted to put that in because I want to know everything about this man's life because 
He is the wisest man that ever walked this earth. There's several places in there that there's no man ever on earth has ever matched his wisdom. So we're going to double back here just to, real quick for a review before I get further. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, where I started, because we're going to review some of the words that's really important through this entire book. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Wait a minute, notes here because I'm going to need them. Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Vanity is to be born, to toil, to suffer, to experience some kind of joy, which is nothing in view of eternity, to leave it all and die. Work, 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 worry, fight, feud, carry on, and work, and then we die. And all of it meant nothing apart from redemption. If somebody dies lost, I mean, we're all going to worry, we're all going to fight, we're all going to feud, but to die without Christ, I can't imagine somebody rejecting their whole life or, or think they're good because they haven't killed or, and don't have Christ in their heart. And, and when they close their last breath to wake up and say, it's over. Souls are perishing and they don't think they are. Some people that are good people I know that are lost. But even Christian people, all this stuff we've, we've worked for our whole life and then all of a sudden we die. Not, not one dispute I had will matter. Not, I'm sure we're supposed to enjoy life, but not, none of it matters in view of eternity. And that's what vanity is. It all means nothing. What profit man have all the labor of which he taketh under the sun? One generation passeth away and another generation cometh, but the earth abides forever. So I'm going to switch real quick here to two chapters. Let me see if I can go here to Psalms. Real quick. Okay, Psalms 90. I was, I'm going to just throw this out there. You can find this yourself. The first time the generations were cut from up near uh, 700, 800, 900 years old, was in Genesis 6-3. I'm not going to jump there because I don't have time to do it. But the generations, when, when Noah came and they, they started replenishing earth, he says, now the days of man are going to be 125 years old. That's going to be the new generation now. All this old, old stuff is going to be gone. You look at it yourself, Genesis 6-3. God said, generation of age is cut to 125 years. Here, it's sliced again. Psalms 90, the Lord, ha Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place for generations. Verse 4, a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and watch as, and a, as a watch in the night. Okay, here we go, verse 9. For all our days are passed away in wrath, and we spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are three score and ten, that's 70. That's the average life of a man, 70. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore, that's 80. 
Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut away, cut off, and we fly away. But here's what, verse 12 is what I want to get to right here to show you. Now, nobody's going to live forever. We're all going away. Every one of us. The Bible says, so teach us. This is David saying, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Number them. Count every day a blessing. You wake up in the morning. God, thank you. Thank you. One of these nights I'm not going to wake up. Thank you for another day. Teach us, Lord, to number our days and take advantage of every opportunity that you give us to show somebody else, to, to, to live as best as we can, to not turn our hearts away from him, to keep our hearts pure enough to where he will listen. Because if we hide iniquity in our heart, he will not answer us. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us, but put it under the blood before we go to the cross. Put it under the blood before we go to him and petition. And so uh, as we keep going on, let's go back to Ecclesiastes. Hopefully I'll get to chapter 3. Okay. First uh, chapter 2, I'm going to jump ahead because this is where we kind of left off the last time. Chapter 2. Let's go with verse 11. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and had labored, and I labored, and do, and behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit. The vexation of spirit, vexa, that, that's important because it's mentioned all through Scripture. Lot was vexed with the ungodliness of Sodom, but God didn't, but God spared him. Although he was vexed, his heart was turned, he wasn't full. But he fell, but God was merciful because his heart never left God. His lifestyle may have. Vexation of spirit is a suppression of spiritual guidance of the Holy Spirit. That's when, okay, I'm going to do this right here. You're going to suppress what you know is right and you know is wrong, but we do wrong anyway. That's a vexation of spirit. We suppress the Holy Spirit from speaking to us. When the Spirit says to our heart, hey, don't do that. You don't need to say that. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't watch this. Don't do that. And we say, well, I'll ask forgiveness later. I'm going to go down there and let this guy have the business. See, when we suppress the Holy Spirit, we're vexation of our spirit. It causes one to question their faith. Not to, you know, there's some people that say, am I really saved? How could I do this? If I, am, I really, am I really born again? Oh, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said. No, that's a vexation of spirit. Once you're saved, you're saved. Secure. That causes a question. Turn them away from their faith in God. We can get so caught up. We're never going to make it. We're never going to do it. Everything is so bad. Rather than get on our knees and say, God, I need your help. And it all is, uh, vexation of spirit can come through temptation, financial difficulty, losing a loved one, or for somebody to come to you and persecute you, blast you. When they blast you and then, ah, to retaliate is a vexation of spirit. But we all do it. And so that's a vexation of spirit. Now let's go back to the scripture. 
Behold, and there was vexation spirit and there was no profit under the sun. No profit under the sun because you're going to leave it all behind. Every bit of it. Sure, we want to do things to profit ourselves and have a little bit of joy and have a little bit of fun. But the main focus is a hundred years from now. That's what really matters. The only thing we're going to take with us, and we're not actually taking with us, is souls that we have won. Those souls, and, and after we're gone, souls will still be getting, if you win one, they still win in souls, and you're dead in heaven. A soul will come in and they'll ask, thank you. So the only thing that we'll have down here on this earth that's going to come behind us are souls. The only thing. Okay, and I turn to behold wisdom, madness, folly, and for what can, what can a man do that cometh after the king that had not already been done? Let's see. Folly. I turn myself and behold wisdom, madness, and folly. Madness is a striking difference between good and evil. Insanity. What folly is, is somebody that's a man that says, I'm a woman. That's folly. That's a striking contrast between good and evil. For somebody that thinks drunkenness is something, there's something wrong with that. When, when, when somebody is sloppy drunk, they say things, do things, they vow. You know, mad, madness is a striking difference between good and evil. That's madness for somebody to sit there and say, and elevate that. Yes, don't say nothing to offend these transgender people because how in the world could we get this way in our world? The folly is a lack of proper respect for fear of God. People don't fear God anymore. They just don't. They're prone to go in the wrong direction and a total lack of good sense. That's where this world is. The Bible says, as it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man comes back. You know, and I, I looked at that too. I'm not going to get into that, but I'm looking at May 17th. I'm not saying that. I, I'm not, I think it's going to be one of the no, feasts. But on May 17th, think about this when May 17th comes up. That's when the flood day. That's when God opened up the bottom and flooded this world. On, that's, in, that's in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11. It was May 17th. October 17th is when they mount, landed on Mount Ararat. January 1st is when they first saw the, sea, the mountains. We'll get into some mountains and valleys. And April the 1st was when the waters were dried up. That's not where I'm at right now. I just, I just, my mind goes 90 miles an hour with this, with this stuff I'm telling you. I just love it. I just, I just love it because it's, it's where we are. It's who we are. We're living in the desert was in the days of Noah, folks. I'm telling you, we're right on the verge of either death or the rapture. Every one of us. Let's go back here. Follow, let's see. Verse 13. Then I saw wisdom excel a folly as far as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but a fool walketh in darkness. And I myself derived, perceived. 
That means I understood what was really going to happen. I understand this. That one event happeneth to them all. It doesn't matter if you're saved or lost, we're going to die. That's one event that nobody's going to escape. If God don't come back and bring judgment, we're all going to die. Every one of us. That's one event that happens whether you're saved or lost. So why not be saved? I don't understand why people aren't seeking and knocking, hey, and, and just looking for, for proof. Fulfill prophecy if they just study it can prove Christianity is impossible to not be true. Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies himself that was written by over 40 men in different parts of the world, 200 years apart in every different continent. And everything came precisely the, the, the time, the area, the, like they prophesied. It's impossible to not be true. And, that, and people that just don't understand they, they just, they're just living life like, hey, once you're dead, you're dead. No, you're not. That's, that's far from it. Then I said, as it happened to the fool, it happened to my, me. And that's why I said, why was I more wise? When it's all over, we're all somewhere forever. So how am I more wise than you? If we're both going to die, nothing matters. What matters is a handshake and a smile and invite somebody into this church and, and to love God with our heart the best we can. To love each other. To work together. To make that happen for one more person to find the cross. Just one. That could be the next Billy Graham. We can't judge that. We don't know which, which way the Spirit works. I just know that there are some people that are looking, that do want our help, that do want hope. Verse 16, there is no remembrance of the wise more than the fool forever. Sin which is now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. So how does the wise man be as the fool? And here's where I'm in, in my life because I hide a lot of things. But deep inside, I'm a very depressed person and I'm going to confess that to you. Some days I get up and I am very depressed. And you understand, if you understand what I mean by that, I don't mean a mental breakdown depressed. I'm depressed like Solomon here. Let's look at this. Verse 17. Therefore I hated life. He doesn't hate being alive. He just hates the results of Work, 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 and I'm going to die, and I'm going to leave all this to somebody that ain't worth a darn. To do nothing but live folly and, 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 and do all. I'm going to work and do all this stuff, and then, then I'm going to die. So I hate this life I have because now I've got all this. Everybody else is going to enjoy what I've worked for, and I'm going to leave it behind. I'll explain that a little further. This is really interesting. Therefore, I hated life because the work that is wrought under the sun is grievous to me. I'll get up in the morning, I work, 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 work all day. All of us do. For me, it is all vanity and vexation of spirit. I there hated all my labor, which I had taken under the sun, because I should leave it unto the man that shall be after me. It's not that he hates being alive. He loves being alive. He wants to stay forever. He wants to stay till he's 700 years old and enjoy it all. But he hates the fact that he has worked, 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 worked to die 
and just give it all away to somebody that, that, that hadn't put, his, put their hands to one iron. And that's what's going to happen to most of us. Everything we have. And who knoweth whether he shall be a wise man or a fool? This is verse 19. Yet for me, I have a role, rule over my life and my labor, wherein I labored, and I have showed myself wise under the sun. Here's where I am right here. This, this, this right here is me. I'm confessing it to you. I've got two children that, that, are, that are just out there, man. I've got, if it weren't for one of mine, I'd thank God it cursed me. But I pray for them every day, but they made some bad choices in their life and they're living with it. But I'm having to live with it. My wife is having to live with it. We have to deal with some stuff that, 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 that I, would not, I wouldn't even talk about. A couple of people know about it. Because they know how to pray. Therefore, I went about to cause my heart to despair. That's depression. That's, he's brought his depression on. I made myself so depressed because everything I've done, everything I do is all for somebody else to leave behind me when I'm gone. And they haven't deserved it. They haven't earned it. They haven't done a thing about it. All they're doing is sitting there waiting for me to die so that they can capitalize on me. That's what Solomon's saying. I'm not saying that I've got, I've got all this stuff and I'm, I'm talking about Solomon here. Not, I'm, I'm saying, showing how easy it is to sink into a depression. Therefore I went and caused my heart to despair of all the labor which I took of the son. For there is a man whose labor is in wisdom and in knowledge and in equity. Equity. Let me get that real quick. Equity is not gaining stuff on your house. Or your, your tr equity in the Bible is talking about fair and impartial freedom from bias or favoritism. Justice. The right justice in the law between right and wrong to help achieve fairness and treatment in an outcome. That's what his equity word there is. Okay, here's where it is right here. For there is a man who labors in wisdom and knoweth knowledge and is fair about everything. Hey, you work, you get paid. Fine. You don't work, you don't get paid. But now it's, this world is about you don't work and you get more. Isn't that crazy? Yet to a man that hath not labored, therein shall he leave it all his portion. This is vanity and a great evil. What does he mean by that? Because somebody that has done absolutely nothing in their life to get all this stuff, to snort it up their nose, to blow it up and down, to go up and down the road chasing whores, to, 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 to do all this evil stuff with what you've put your heart into and God has blessed you and God has to leave it all for somebody that's going to squander it. That's a great evil. For what hath a man of all his labor and the vexation of his heart wherein his labor? For all his days are sorrows and travail and grief. This is vanity. But here's the bright side of it. Enjoy it while you're here, because we're all leaving. Verse 24, there's nothing better. Now, this is under the sun. This is man under the sun while we're here. 
This is not, this is outside of redemption. This whole book is about how to make it down here because we're all leaving. We're all checking out. There's nothing better for a man. This is verse 24 of chapter two. Nothing better for a man than he should eat, drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good in his labor. Don't worry about what's coming after you. You can't change that. Don't worry about leaving the stuff behind. Solomon changed his tune here. He said, look, we're all going away. Don't worry about something that, that you have nothing to do with. Because when my tree falls, that's where it falls. We're never coming back to, to, to check it and fix it. We're gone. Then I saw, this I saw was also a hand of God. For, for who can eat or, or else can hasten, let's see. For who can eat or else hasten unto there unto more than I? For God giveth a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. But the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give him the portion which is good before God. This is also vanity and vexation. Now, as we move forward, we'll close out with this part. I got so much. I don't know which part to develop. But uh, here we go. Chapter 3. This is a turning the page a little bit. But it's still bounced back to this right here. To everything. There is a season. And a time. And a purpose. Under heaven. To everything. It's all seasonal. You might be going through a rough time now. You trust God and you'll get out of it and you'll move on. But there'll be other tough days. The thing that it is, apart from redemption, the book of Ecclesiastes is all about the best that man can do under the sun while he's here. Apart from redemption. Apart from getting saved. Have fun. Laugh. Joy a little bit. Brother, I can shake your hand there, but after that, after I shake it, if I die tonight, it's gone. Enjoy your people. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your friends. Enjoy every minute that you've got that you can, that you can just enjoy. Just thank God for it because tomorrow it might be gone forever. They might be gone or you might be gone. All that you touch, all that you see, all that you taste, all that you feel, all that you love, all that you hate, all you distrust, all that you save, all that you give, all that you deal, all that you buy, all that you beg, you borrow, and you steal, all you create, all you destroy, all that you do, all that you say, all that you eat, everyone you meet, all that you slight, and everyone you fight, all that is now, all that is gone, and all that is to come. It's all vanity. When we close our eyes, it means absolutely nothing. Enjoy it while you're here. Give your family a hug. Pray for them every day if they're out there. If, if, if they're mentally not tuned in, don't, how stupid can they be? How dumb can they be? I don't know, just, oh God, please move. That's the difference in a prayer and supplication. A prayer is you asking, thank you, God, for letting me have another day. I pray for him. But a supplication is when you get down on your knees and you beg God to move on your behalf. You beg him. 
This is the difference in a prayer and supplication. A supplication is when, oh God, I need you. Please, I'm begging you to come and move on my behalf. That's a supplication. You can pray for each other and all, but I'm talking about when you really get down to business and you want God to move, that's supplication. You beg. You beg him. You just beg him. You say, go on, God, you can, there's nothing you can't do. You got to move. But your heart's got to be right. He's got to see the heart. He has to see the heart, pure and clean. Get the garbage out and then approach him and, and offer your, your spirit as a sacrifice. To everything there is a season, a time and a purpose under heaven. And I'm going to close with this. A time to be born and there is a time to die. There's a payday for all of us. We will pick up and get deep into chapter 3 here next time I teach. But uh, I don't want to start on another one because I don't have time to finish developing it. But I hope the study in Ecclesiastes will be good for you because it's, every one of us fit right in this book. And I think it's just a joy. I don't know at all, but I know a whole lot more than I did know before I started this, I've taken every word and I promise you, you won't regret it if you show up because it's not because I'm teaching it. I'm just reading it. I just have an understanding of some things a lot of people don't agree with, but they're not disagreeing with, with me per se because I'm not erring from this in my understanding. You listen to Deacon Danny Cahoot. For more information, Visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.